Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 14, titled 6B. An incredible incredible episode that is, without a doubt, one of the best things to ever come out of Fringe. I love this thing so goddamn much. Uh, If I were to rank all 100 episodes right now, this would absolutely be in the top five. No question in my mind. It's probably the best episode of season three. It is, it's perfect. It's a goddamn perfect episode. Uh, And rather than do, like, a play-by-play like I would normally do with more quote-unquote filler episodes, even though this uh, thematically is by no means a filler, I'd rather just talk about this generally and talk about why this is one of the best episodes, if not the best episode of Fringe, because it's perfect. It's a goddamn perfect hour of television, and I just want to celebrate, like, what makes it that. So, this episode, of course, uh, there's this apartment building, weird shit's happening there, uh, new pipes are bursting, weird sounds, uh, devices are going off, blenders, ovens, uh, without being, uh, without being turned on, turning on by themselves, uh, a balcony just dematerializes randomly, and, like, six people die. Six people fall to their deaths, which is what catches Fringe Division's te- uh, attention initially. And, basically, we go in there, and we immediately figure out that this is what we've seen happen on the other side. What we've seen happen in the other universe is... Universe, these soft spots becoming cracks, becoming rifts, becoming vortexes happening in our universe. You have that great moment where Walter flips a coin ten times and ten times he gets heads. Like a a like mathematical impossibility. And or, or rather a physical impossibility. Like it it's just not a thing. And so You kind of, throughout this entire episode, see Walter finally have to confront the consequences of his actions. Not just in, this is what's happening over there, this is just what's happening over there, this is what's happening over there. But in terms of, now this is what's happening over here. Now we have to deal with these consequences that the other side's been dealing with for decades. Now we have to worry about, well, how are we going to respond to this thing. And Walter spends the entire time like freaking out about this, rightfully so. And again, credit to John Noble, who is incredible in this role, uh, who is incredible as Walter Bishop, as always, just nailing that dread that Walter has throughout this entire episode, especially when he comes to the same conclusion that Walter and it did that the best way to deal with this vortex that may or may not form in the near future is with Amber. 
And he's already seen, he has already seen how Amber has kind of destroyed that other universe. How Amber has kind of sent that society on this really, really horrible, dark path where people are just getting encased randomly and people are being separated from their loved ones. Like entire city blocks, entire buildings, entire cities are being like just encased in this stuff and you see Walter sort of dealing with like are we gonna have to do this are we gonna have to cross that line like Walter it made this decision and I viewed him as this evil man but in the same scenario I'm making the same exact decision so what does that make me like am I really that different from Walternate, again, this is the classic, like, little take I've been saying from the beginning. Walternate is what Walter could have been had he not gone insane, had he not, uh, mellowed out over the years. And it, it it's really horrible, and it's kind of terrifying to see them, like, just have to go down this rabbit hole of, like, are we gonna amber things? Are we gonna amber things? Like, is this the fabric of the universe completely shattering? And is this what we've been dreading since we saw this on the other side at the very end of last season? Uh, you have Broyles dealing with the possibility of a panicked populace, of a panicked public, when they realize the fabric of the universe is crumbling around them and they have to amber places. Like, it's just... It's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing... And that on its own, if it was just that, this episode would be great. If it was just that, this episode would be really, really good. But because these writers are so great, and do not hold back in any way. They also throw in this really clever conceit of this old woman seeing her dead husband. By the way, the woman who plays uh, this old lady, Alice, uh, the actress's name is Phyllis Somerville. I believe it is. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Please correct me if I got her name wrong. She's incredible. She's great, and she's amazing in this episode. She freaking nails it, and she is one of the best guest stars in all of French. But this old woman is seeing her dead husband and is sort of the source of this of this crack, of this rift, of this vortex that is at risk of forming. Uh, she's sort of getting this glimpse into the other universe. And seeing her husband's doppelganger, who she's confusing as the ghost of her dead husband. Because, of course, she doesn't know there are two universes. She doesn't know about the doppelganger stuff. Like, she has, she does not have the tools to recognize any of this. So, she sees her husband. She sees, like, a glowing version of her dead husband. And she's like, oh, cool, the ghost of my husband came back. That's great. And she's having this, like little, like, these brief glimpses of her dead husband, and seeing her dead husband, and it's like, yay, I get to see my husband again. And not knowing that she is, by doing this, sort of cracking the fabric of the universe, and then 
going further down the line, we eventually find out that on the other side... So, the story behind her husband's death is literally a fuse box went out. They had to repair it. They flipped a coin because neither of them wanted to do it. Husband lost a coin toss. There was a short... Dude died instantly. The other side, Alice lost the coin toss. So she's the one that died. And so we find out that literally, it is both of these people in the exact same spot, mourning the doppelganger of the other person, wanting to see the other person again. And so that desire to see... This, uh, this person that was in their life for decades, like, they were together for, like, what, 40, 45 years? It's an insanely long time. This desire to see the other person again sort of bridged the gap between universes and sort of, like, forced opened this window between universes. And their grief for each other in the same spot sort of caused this cataclysm. And of course, when you rip holes in the fabric of the universe, usually it doesn't go well. Usually it's not a thing you uh, get good things happening from. And so, here we have vortexes opening up and fabric of reality slowly distorting and possible amber release and all of that. And so we get this twisted love story, this twisted, heartbreaking, devastating, and just completely warped type of love story that is so clever and so powerful and so brilliant, and it plays out in such a perfect way. Not to mention that all of this is next to the backdrop of Peter and Olivia still sort of picking up the pieces from the whole Folivia thing. And, like, you have that really funny first scene where Walter sort of sets them up and forces them into having breakfast with one another. And that just makes things worse because, of course it does! (laughs) Like, Walter tricks them into having breakfast, uh... And, like, they sort of spend the entire episode sort of dealing with these feelings. Uh, Of course, there was a note that Peter, like, still has feelings for for Olivia. And Olivia's like, hey, what the hell? And Peter's like, yeah, I I still think about her because I got to see what us, uh, you and me together, looks like. And it was beautiful and I loved it. Uh, And sort of trying to go through the weird, mushy middle of all of this. They're navigating all this while this old woman and the doppelganger of her husband are sort of having this phenomenon that they don't even understand happen. Uh, And it's great. By the way, I love the moment where in the bar, Olivia's like, hey, I want to know what that feels like, what you described. And they kiss and then Olivia starts to see the glimmers because like she's afraid, like afraid that she's what's uh, in the way. I I love that moment. That moment is really, really good. Man, Fringe, Fringe does character work very, very well. This is why, this is why I love Fringe, because there's a human level to it that's just so 
irresistibly, irresistibly compelling and so incredible, and they always nail it so well. Every time they have a character-based story, it is always perfect. Uh, and this episode is no exception. Like, this is really all the high points of Fringe rolled into one. And it builds up to that incredible climax uh, where... The building's surrounded. They're evacuating people. The one person who refuses to leave is Alice. Uh, and they have to convince her that who she's seeing is not her husband. They have to convince her that who she's seeing is not uh, the man she lost, the man she loved all these years. Uh, and they have to, like, convince her that all of this is not what she thinks she is, not what she thinks it is. All the while, Walter and Broyles are outside, like, witnessing a literal vortex, littering a, watching a literal hole in the fabric of the universe open up in front of their eyes, and, like, sort of, like, hesitating to hit the button on the amber, and, like, it's so... Like, it's scary. It's really scary. Like, it's a really tense moment. And once, like, they do a great job of showing that, like, this is bad, this is bad, this is really, really bad. By using Olivia's Cortexafan crutch as, like, a gateway of, hey, if it's just Olivia seeing this... We're all good, but if it's everyone seeing this, then it's bad. Because uh, you have that moment where it's like, for the longest time, Olivia and, of course, Alice were the only people seeing uh, the husband. Only people seeing the husband. Only people seeing the husband. Because, of course, Alice was at the center of this love sickness that created this crack. And Olivia can see things from the other side because of Cortexofan. Uh, and then you have the moment where it gets bad enough that Peter's like, um... I see him too now. I definitely see him. Uh, And then, like, the glimmer that originally only Olivia saw from the apartment window, then Walter and Broyles start to see it. And Broyles is like, um, is that what I think it is? Like, it's so... It's gone from micro to macro in a way that you no longer need the perception-enhancing drug of Cortexafan to see because it's just, like, it went from, like... Basically, if I was to visually represent uh, how that distortion, how that glimmer, how all that stuff that Olivia sees uh, has increased, it went from, like, a tiny little dot to, like, a giant ball. That's essentially what happened, and that's essentially how, like, Peter and Walter and Broyles are now able to see these glimmers and are now able to see uh, this dude from the other side, and... Like, you have this entire time when Olivia and Peter are trying to emotionally, like, connect with her and say, like, no, this is not your husband. He looks like your husband. He's mourning a woman who looks exactly like you, but he's not your husband. He's mourning uh, another woman who looks exactly like you, just like you're mourning another man who looks exactly like him. This is not him. You have to let go. Like, this is a moment... Like, this is an episode about moving on from losing a loved one. Like, think about that for a second. And they framed it in this universe-destroying, like, holes-ripping-in-the-multiverse plotline. Just think about how insane that is. That they took a an episode about grief and turned it into the universe is about to be destroyed because you can't move on from your dead husband. Like... 
think about that for a second. Like, that is insane. That is insane that Fringe was able to do that and do it so well. And Peter has that great monologue, of course, about, like, how you you have what most people only dream of. You had a lifetime together. Like, it's okay. You had your life. You lived your life together. Now it's time to move on. And then, of course, the straw that broke the camel's back, uh, the other side doppelganger of the husband going, like, I miss you, and our children miss you. And the woman's like, um, we never had children. You are not my husband. I am not your wife. We are mourning two entirely separate people. Uh, go away. And then that ends it, and fabric of our reality is safe for now. Uh, as Walter very much says, this was not a victory. This was a preview of what's to come. If we continue down this path, if the universes continue down this path of slow erosion, slowly being destroyed by what Walter did all those years ago, breaking through the fabric of the universe to save Peter, to kidnap Peter, let's be honest with ourselves, and... Uh, that's that. That's everything on that front, and everything's all good. Uh, there's a great little ending when Olivia and Peter are finally, like, back together, and Olivia's not afraid anymore, and blah, blah, blah. Like, she doesn't see a glimmer anymore, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it's a nice little ending. I love the line of, if the impossible is possible, who's to say I won't see him again? Who's to say I won't see my husband again? Like, that was a nice little line, and I love that being in there. Uh, and then, of course, that really cool ending where we see uh, the alternate universes <laughs> side of events on here, where they're like, oh, we're monitoring a fringe event, but there's no cracks here. Oh, well, whatever was happening here, I guess it's done now. False alarm. And that just, like... Olivia and Lincoln are just like blissfully unaware that both universes almost just destroyed themselves. Like it, God, this episode's so good. This episode's so good. It is so amazing. I love it so much. It's incredible. It's really, really incredible and one of the best episodes in all of Fringe. Uh, anyway, uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so you can be here every single Monday through Friday as you go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468. And support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclark, plus just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 15. Talk to you then.